as we come now to look into your holy word of the scriptures, I pray that you would take my lips and speak through them. Take our minds and think your thoughts in them. Take our wills and bend them more to yours. And above all, take our hearts and set them on fire with love for Jesus, our coming Savior and King, we pray in his name. Amen. Amen. Three or four years ago, I preached a sermon called Out of the Carpenter Shop, and I didn't think anybody would remember it. I mean, who remembers the sermon three or four years later? But this morning, uh, having seen it, uh, in, I guess, advertised in TFN or maybe it's in the, the bulletin, three uh, people said, oh yes, I remember that sermon. So uh, here we go again. The core of that sermon uh, is what was this morning with a few updates and changes. This week, as we all know, ushers us into the celebration of Jesus' birthday, by far the most well-known and celebrated birth in human history. And when you stop and think about it, we do know a lot about Jesus' birth, even a lot before his birth. The angel's announcement to Mary and Joseph, both completely caught off guard by this strange news to them of a coming Messiah, through them, and we know about Mary's visit to her cousin Elizabeth, who was six months pregnant with John. We hear Mary's song of praise, the Magnificat, and then we have Luke's great narrative with chapter 2 of the birth, and then Jesus' presentation in the temple when he was about uh, 40 days old, and then Matthew tells us about the coming of the Magi when he is several months old, and then the curtain falls. We know nothing more about the childhood, the adolescence, the teenage years of Jesus, except for that one brief account by Luke of Jesus in the temple when he was 12 years old. But after uh, those, uh, those initial uh, first several months of his life, the next 29, 30 years, we have silence. We can only imagine Jesus in the carpentry shop at his foster father Joseph's feet, learning from him as a five-year-old, a 15-year-old, a 25-year-old. But there came a day when those 29 years of total obscurity and anonymity would draw to a conclusion. When Jesus would come to know it was time to fulfill the purpose for which he had been called to leave the carpentry shop of Nazareth and to set his gaze toward the cross of Jerusalem. In our Gospel reading, we heard uh, these few words a moment ago. They seem so insignificant, but really they are so full of meaning and impact. And so it came about in those days that Jesus came from Nazareth to be baptized by John in the Jordan. So, Jesus leaves Nazareth, and he heads south, following the Jordan River to where it empties its waters into the northern part of the Dead Sea, where John was baptizing. It was a journey of about 45 miles, and what do you think Jesus was thinking about as he left his carpentry shop for that three or four day journey? Pastor and author Max Lucado paints a beautiful word picture for us. 
The heavy door in Nazareth creaked on its hinges as Jesus pushed it open. The day had finally gone for him to leave. He had heard something that made him know it was time to go. So he came one last time to smell the sawdust and the lumber of the carpentry shop. Life was peaceful here. Life was so safe. Here he had spent countless hours of contentment. On this dirt floor he had played as a toddler while his father worked. Here Joseph had taught him how to grip a hammer and build his first chair. I wonder what he thought as he took one last look at the room around him. I wonder if he hesitated. I wonder if his heart was torn. I wonder if he rolled a nail between his thumb and fingers, anticipating the coming pain. It was this place that had prepared him for his final three years. It was here that his human hands played the wood his divine hands had created. And it was here that his body matured while his spirit waited for the right moment, the right day, and now that day had arrived. It was time for him to leave. And he left because of you and me. He laid the security down with his hammer. He hung tranquility on the peg with his leather apron. He closed the window shutters on the sunshine of his youth and locked the door on the comfort and ease of anonymity. Since he could bear your sins more easily than he could bear the thought of your helplessness and hopelessness, he chose to leave. He opened the door, walked through it one last time, closed it, and his journey to the Jordan and ultimately to Calvary's cross had begun. It wasn't easy. Leaving the carpentry shop never has been. And you know, when you stop and think about it, leaving was a reality that Jesus knew from all eternity. Because he left the glory of heaven for a stable in Bethlehem. A few months later, he leaves Bethlehem's cradle to flee to Egypt. A year or so after that, he leaves Egypt to settle in Nazareth. He left private Nazareth to begin his public ministry. He left Pilate's judgment hall to carry his cross to Calvary. In the darkness of Good Friday, his spirit left his body as he descended to the dead. Three days later, he left the tomb, praise God, the risen victorious Lord. Forty days after that, he leaves the Mount of Olives and ascends to heaven. And one day, which we celebrate in Advent, he will leave heaven and return to this planet as the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Amen. Thank you. So here is Jesus leaving the solitude of Nazareth, coming to John, and the crowded chaos of the Jordan River. And from there, where does the Holy Spirit lead him? Well, then into the barren desert to be tested and tempted by Satan for 40 days. Now talk about your world being turned upside down from the calm and serenity of Nazareth to the cacophony of the Jordan. Then to the parched wilderness wasteland and the onslaught of Satan's lies and temptations and deceptions, all within a few days of leaving the carpenter shop. On this fourth Sunday event, I think the 
carpentry shop. That's a very important message for all of us. It's the pervasive theme of the Advent and the Christmas season. When the angel Gabriel came to Mary and told her she was to be the mother of the Messiah, or to be very blunt, the mother of the Lord God Almighty coming to this earth, Mary cries out, but how can this be? I am a virgin. What did Gabriel tell her? Two words, fear not. When the angel comes to Joseph, and he's about to leave Mary his betrothed because of the scandalous pregnancy, what is the angel telling him? Fear not. When the shepherds were in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night, and the glory of the Lord shines around them, and they're afraid, terrified, what does the angel say to them? Fear not. And when I think about that carpentry shop in Nazareth, it says something to me. Two words. Colon, fear not. All of us, fear not. Fear not, two things. First, don't be afraid of the solitude of a carpentry shop. When you find yourself in a season of stillness and silence, when you find yourself wondering and waiting for something that doesn't yet have a name or an identity, don't fear or shun the quiet solitude because it's in those silent, obscure, seemingly forgotten carpentry shop seasons of our lives that God can be most at work. And he asks us to just pause and wait and listen and respond and fear not. Second, fear not. Don't be afraid when the time comes for you to leave your carpenter shop and God calls you into a new place. Because if God is calling you into a new place, it's going to be a good place. And don't linger. Don't let what is good be the enemy of what is best. What if Jesus had refused to leave his carpentry shop? What if he had said, it's too painful, it's too costly, I don't want the rejection of the crowds and the pain of the coming cross. I'll just live here in Nazareth, comfortable with my family. Jesus could have said, I'm going to stay. But he didn't. He chose to leave. And it wasn't easy. Because leaving the carpenter shop never is. And the truth is, we all have our carpenter shops. And they can be wonderful places, comfortable, safe, secure, insulated places where God calls us for a season. But so often, it's in the comfort and the security of our carpentry shop, that God is preparing us for the next assignment, the next chapter that He's writing in our lives. And if and when He's calling you out, that's because He has a new place, an even better place, where you can grow and find new trust and dependence on Him. It may not be an easy place, but it will be a life-giving place where Jesus will meet you in a new way and where you will learn something so important that the will of God and the call of God 
will never leave you where the grace of God won't keep you. Say that again. Amen. The call of God will never leave you where the grace of God won't keep you. Your carpentry shop may be a geographical home or place God calls you to leave. Think of the carpentry shops you may have left over the years. I think back to the ten homes and communities and life chapters I've left over the years. And I have indelible memories of leaving each of those seasons of life and moving with a good bit of apprehension and uncertainty and anxiety into the unknown and uncertain future that lay before every one of those settings and seasons of life. I think back to our last move, August the 30th, 2008, from our carpentry shop in Virginia Beach to a place I vowed I would never live. <laughs> right there in northern Virginia. I like it. <laughs> and we've grown to love it. Yeah, to the largest, most international burgeoning county in Virginia, a town called Fairfax and a church called Faroe. I remember the apprehension and insecurity that went with that move, selling the house and children in college, and as Susan and I transitioned from the denomination in which I was born and baptized and ordained into this just-born faith community called Pro Anglican Church, the Anglican Church of North America, it was all rather overwhelming. And so we came to Pro 13 and a half years ago with some bangs and bruises from that transition, and we felt very unsettled. But God in His grace began to settle us into this beautiful carpentry shop called Pro, where I settled into the things in ministry I loved most pastoral ministry, music, worship, missions, and for Susan, teaching 12 years at Trinity Christian School. And now, after 13 and a half years, we've sensed the time has come for God to move us from this wonderful carpentry shop of Tarot into a new season of life in Matthews, Virginia, 80 feet from the shoreline of the wide expanses of the Chesapeake Bay. Come any time, it seems. Where we'll have a little more time with our children, our grandchildren, and each other, and developing some pastoral and music ministry, it seems, with a wonderful little Methodist church just two miles from our home. And as we leave you, we do so with many emotions, deep gratitude, and love, and appreciation for all of you, our staff, our many friends, my clergy colleagues, with whom I've been privileged to serve for our almost 14 years here. We've shared so many things together. And actually, except for a few vacation Sundays, I have never missed a service here at 745, which is the best way to begin your Sunday and your week, right? And to be honest, along with all the love and gratitude, is a sense of some anxiety and uncertainty as Mother Nature and Father Time pursue us. How will things be for us a few years down the road in body, mind, spirit? None of us knows. But we do know 
something that I've often said from this pulpit. Yesterday is history, tomorrow is mystery, but today is a gift. That's why it's called the present. So we're going to be grateful for the past, but we want to be living in the present and trusting the Lord for the future. And we want to thank all of you for all you have meant to us these many years. And it is not goodbye. It's Godspeed. We'll see you soon. Well, five days on Christmas Eve, I'll be back for our final three official services. But then, really, next year, I'll have to be back two or three times for the weekend to catch up and stay connected. And uh, as we said, the door is always open for you and Matthews. But here we are this week, leaving the carpentry shop. It is not easy. Why? Because leaving the carpentry shop never has been. Sometimes a carpentry shop may not be even a geographical place, but it's something internal. It's a habit. It's a way of thinking. It's a wrong, unhealthy way of living. And God may be calling you to leave that interior carpentry shop. And then sometimes we have to leave a carpentry shop not by choice, but by necessity. When the bitter, hard knocks of life come and we lose our health, body, mind, spirit, we lose a spouse or a close family member, a job, financial security, and our world gets turned upside down and we're driven out of a carpentry shop to the status quo and driven to trust the Lord in a whole new way. A ship in a harbor is safe, but that is not what ships are made for. And a Christian in the carpentry shop is safe, but that's not what we were made for. Because God is in the business of calling us out to our own Jordan rivers to trade the known for the unknown, the safe to the significant, the comfortable to the challenging. And this leaving can be risky, scary, but the Lord will meet you on the other side of that carpentry shop at your Jordan River and see you to his new place. And so in these remaining days of Advent, I just want to encourage us all to take time and draw aside and in the fever and the frenzy of the season to sit quietly at the feet of Christ, <coughs> open your heart to him in a new way, and see if he's whispering anything to you about a carpentry shop that he's maybe asking you to leave. The heavy door in Nazareth creaked on its hinges. As he pushed it open, he looked around the carpentry shop one last time. He stood for a moment in the sanctuary of that little room that housed so many sweet memories. But it was time to leave. And so he laid his security down with his hammer. He hung tranquility on the peg with his leather apron. He locked the door on the comfort and ease of anonymity. It wasn't easy. Leaving the carpentry shop never has been. God bless you. God love you. And we love you.